Gonna have to plan a better break for me next time after communion before I have to rush up here and start preaching. For those of you who've been around a while, you know that sometimes I would like to whine about the church calendar. You know, there's just this general expectation that every year as we get past Thanksgiving, we're gonna focus in on the birth story of Jesus. So we're gonna spend five weeks out of the year looking at the birth of Jesus. And you know, and I every year it's like no, that's only three chapters in the entire Bible. But we're going to give 10% of the church year to three chapters. And when we get to Easter, there's a lot of that as well. I mean, I've kind of cut down on that the last couple of years because I've been gone to Rwanda. But usually you kind of get to the beginning of Lent, Ash, and you kind of focus in on the last week of the life of Christ. In fact, there's a lot of churches that focus in on just the last seven words of Christ from the cross. And they spend every year... Six or seven weeks, you know, just studying those final words of Christ from the cross, or they look at just events that come from the last week of his life. And, and the Bible's a very rich book, if you will. There's lots of things to talk about. We can take 20% of our church year, and we narrow it down to such a small slice. And that bothers me. Part of it is because one of my agendas always is to try to make sure that what's communicated is engaging that you you want to pay attention and many of us when we get around to Easter and we get around to Christmas we kind of have a been there done that kind of feeling right you know so it's like what's he going to say new this year you know that kind of idea and for many of you you know I'm probably not going to say anything new to you and so you just kind of check out early you know and so there's all this kinds of stuff but there's a there's another side to that for me is that in order for Christ to have the impact on our lives that he's intended to have we need to appreciate all of who Jesus is. We have this really good grip on Jesus as the infant, innocent child in the manger. This tremendous act of humility for God himself to put on flesh and enter into the world as a helpless, defenseless child. And we see this tremendous act of love. We've got a good grip on that aspect of it. We have a good aspect on, good grip on the cross side of it, that Jesus is this sacrificial lamb that's died for our sins. And that's absolutely true and necessary. But you know, there's lots of other parts to who Jesus is that are also tremendously influential in Jesus having the impact in our lives that God intends for him to have. That in order for you and I to experience the fruit, the full fruit of the presence of Christ in our lives, we need to understand all of who Christ is. And so what I want to do here for just a few weeks as we kind of race up towards Easter is I want to start a little series that I'm calling Jesus 360. You know, trying to get a full picture of who Jesus is, all the angles, not just the birth angle, not just the sacrifice angle, but all of who Jesus is. And today I want to start in on a section, and maybe the best way to kind of illustrate it is, is to talk about um, wh- one of the aspects I think that we, ought, that we understand, but we really don't appreciate in terms of w- what's true about Jesus. And that's that Jesus is designed to be our teacher. He's our rabbi, to use the New Testament term. He's our teacher. And most of us, we understand Jesus is a great teacher, but we don't really appreciate the fact that Jesus is designed to be our teacher. Let me just give you some statistics. You know, we, we, we have surveys of believers, and the vet, most of the surveys tell us the rank-and-file believers spend virtually no time at all reading the Word of God. None. Maybe a few minutes a week. I, I don't know how Jesus can be our teacher if we're not reading what he's taught us. You know what I mean? I mean, even the average pastor, they say, only spends about five to ten minutes a day reading his Bible. And yet we somehow claim that Jesus is our teacher, but we just never really want to read his book. (laughs) You know? 
we can see the impact of that in the church. I mean, really, biblical illiteracy is, is kind of epidemic in the church. I, you know, I, when I was working with college students and you know, during my, my days of seminary, I was amazed at the number of ch- kids who they had grown up in the church, gone to Sunday school all their lives, whatever, and they didn't know if Abraham became before Moses or vice versa. They didn't know if Jesus came before David or if David came before Jesus. Most of them knew how many apostles there were or disciples, but, you know, there, there's just lots of pieces that they just didn't have a grip on. And they had been around, quote-unquote, Bible-teaching churches all their lives, and they really didn't even know the Bible at all. And we, we struggle with it, and yet we say, well, Jesus is, this, is our teacher. Well, I don't know if we really appreciate the depth of what it means to have Jesus as our teacher. And, and I want to just spend some time today laying a foundation for Jesus as our teacher, as our rabbi. Because Je- part Jesus came to be the sacrifice for our sin. Absolutely. He also came to be our teacher just as much. I want to kind of run you through a few things in the Scriptures to kind of lay a foundation for this. And So hopefully you'll have your Bibles or you can use one of our pew Bibles that's there in front of you. And I want you to follow along because I think it's powerful for you to see these things in black and white. Or for those of you who are losing, using red letter versions, you'll also maybe have a little red mixed in there as well. If you're pulling this up on your iPhone or whatever, you're just going to have to find it on your own. But today, right now, we're looking in Hebrews chapter 1. And if, you have, if you're using one of our few Bibles, you're going to find our text on page 1015. And if I have a foundation verse, a theme verse for the day, it comes from this passage. The focus is on the beginning of verse 2, but let me read verses 1 and 2 so we kind of have it in context. It says, Long ago God spoke to the fathers by the prophets at different times and in different ways. In other words, all through history up to the time of Christ, God had been trying to communicate, to teach His people. He had been doing it through the prophets, through those who He had anointed and chosen to speak for Him. Look at the beginning of verse 2. In these last days, that's the time we live in, He has spoken to us by His Son. Part of the role, the purpose, the mission of Jesus is to teach us about God, to speak to us about God, so that we see, understand, we grasp, who God is, what God can mean to our lives, how God works, all those things. We understand that through Jesus. Part of his mission is to be teacher, to be rabbi in our lives. He's certainly supposed to be our savior. He's also supposed to be our Lord, but he's our teacher. He's our instructor. He's the one who shapes us and makes us different. And, you know, when, when we look at the scriptures, you know, it says, you know, you know that that. When Jesus became flesh and he dwelt among us, he says, we beheld his glory. Glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. We see God in Christ. In fact, John goes on to tell us in that first chapter that no one has ever seen God at any time, but the only begotten who is in the bosom of the Father, he's explained him to us. Jesus is the teacher about God. Part of his role in our lives is to be our spiritual instructor. He shows us who God is. He tells us what is right in the eyes of God. He tells us what it means for us to live for God. Now, even those who reject Jesus as the Son of God accept the fact that Jesus is one of the greatest teachers in all of human history. Even those who say, you know, this idea of Jesus being the Son of God and dying across, but boy, he was one of the most influential teachers, one of the best teachers of all times. We all, you know, it's just embraced and accepted that Jesus is a master teacher. But I understand, and I think you do through your faith, that Jesus is a revealer of God because he is God himself. Now, 
I just want to run through some of the some passages that deal with how Jesus taught and what was the reaction to his teaching. So let's start off in the Gospel of Matthew. So if, you, if you're in your Bibles, you can get back over the very first book of the New Testament. If you follow along in our Pew Bibles, our, our text is on page 819. <laughs> you're going to recognize that this is at the end of Jesus' teaching on the Sermon on the Mount. This is probably his most famous section of teaching that's known. It starts off with the Beatitudes and once runs through just a, an incredible gamut of spiritual truth. And, and as he winds down chapter 7, he, he begins to challenge them about how to react to his word and how the dynamics of life are going to really challenge all of that. And he concludes his teaching, and then in verse 28, this is what we hear. When he had finished his teaching, finished the sermon, the crowds were bored to death and were glad it was over. They were saying, great, finally I get to go to the restroom. This guy has been going on and on and on, and it was a long way down the aisle. And I just, you know, They were astonished at his teaching. Astonished at his teaching. I don't even know what that means. I wonder what it would be like for you to leave astonished here on a Sunday. A couple of times I said some things that were maybe not the best thing to say, and you had these one of these scratching moments on your head like, can he really say that from the pulpit? But I don't think that's astonished. They were astonished at his teaching because he was teaching them like one who had authority and not like their scribes. We're, we're going to come back to that, but hold on to that truth, okay? Now, turn just a little bit further over in Matthew 22. Try to take you through the Gospels kind of so you don't have to flip too many pages. Matthew 22, verse 22. Context. Jesus is down towards the end of his life. Got a lot of popularity. The masses like him because he's a great teacher. He keeps them interested. All that kind of stuff. He does enough miracles to kind of keep things working. All that kind of things. And, and so the religious leaders are trying to find a way to get rid of him. And they know the only way they can get rid of him is discredit him. Which means to get him to take up a position that the masses aren't going to like. So they figure they've got to figure it out. Taxes. Everybody hates taxes, right? So let's ask them a question about taxes. And we'll get them, you know, we'll, somewhere along the lines the Democrats or the Republicans are going to hate them, depending upon what he says, right? They figure they got this in. So, you know, they come up and they say, well, tell us about taxes. Should we pay taxes or not to Caesar? And Jesus says, well, you know, show me a coin. Well, whose picture is that there on the coin? Well, Caesar's. Well, you know what I'd say? Give to Caesar with Caesar's and give to the Lord what belongs to the Lord. Here's their reaction. Now, this is the, this is the, the cream of the crop that was sent out to entrap Jesus. This is their reaction. And when they heard this, they were amazed. <laughs> amazed! So they left him, and they went away. That's the impact of the teaching of Jesus. Mark chapter 12. Just kind of moving you along quickly. We're, we're almost done. But hang in there. I want to lay this foundation of the kind of teacher that Jesus was. This is the same experience, right? Pharisees and Herodians are sending out their, their, their number one scholars to entrap them. When they come out in verse 14, listen to what they say to him. And when they came to him, they said to him, Teacher, we know you are truthful, and you defer to no one. For you don't show partiality, but you teach truthfully the way of God. Now, what, what are they saying? You, you don't pay politics, play tough politics with what you teach. You, you, you don't care if it's going to make you rise or fall in the eyes of the public. What you know to be right in the eyes of God is what you teach. And what they're hoping on is that we don't want you to change now, because we think we've got a question that's going to back you into a corner. So don't change your colors. We know who you are. Stay consistent. You tell the truth. It doesn't matter what other people are going to think about it. You speak straight from the heart of God. We want you to do that. So now here's our question. What about taxes? But look what they're saying about Jesus. We know you are truthful. You don't show partiality, but you truthfully teach the way of God. That's the teacher that we have. A couple more. Luke 24. 
End of the book of Luke. Page 898 in our pew Bibles. Again, those of you who are you know, kind of familiar with these accounts, you're going to understand that this is after the resurrection of Jesus. He's appeared to these two brothers who were taken, were moving towards Emmaus. He'd been traveling with them through that day. They had invited him to stay. This whole time that their eyes had been prevented from seeing who Jesus was, they sit down, they take a meal, and as Jesus is, is breaking the bread and praying for the meal, their eyes are open, they recognize this him. And this is what they say about their experience with him on the road that day. We're, verse 32, weren't our hearts ablaze? Weren't our hearts ablaze within us? while he was talking with us on the road and explaining the scriptures. The teaching of Jesus <laughs> sets our hearts ablaze. One more. John chapter 3, page 901, just a, just a page or two over. This is Nicodemus, well-respected ruler of the Jews, a knowledgeable religious man, had a lot to lose, so he comes to Jesus by night. And this is what he says to Jesus, Rabbi, verse 2, chapter 3, or teacher. We know that you have come from God as a teacher. We know that you've come from God as a teacher. For no one can perform these signs. You do, unless God were with him. That's the kind of teacher we have. Now, Jesus is God's voice to us in these last days. He's our teacher. He is the great teacher, the great rabbi sent from God to teach us. He's the infant in the child. He's the infant in the major the humility, the condescension, you know, he descends down, takes on all of the humility and the servant role. He's all of that. The tenderness, the love of God, he's all of that. He is the supreme sacrifice of the Christ. He's all of that. But he's our teacher as well. Now listen, you are not getting, I am not getting, the full value of who Christ is, even if I have faith in Christ, if Jesus is not my teacher. Teacher. I'm not saying it's going to change your eternal destiny. It's not. If you have a life-changing faith in Christ, that you believe that Jesus Christ is the is the God's solution to your sin, and you've trusted in that, it's not going to change your eternal destiny. But our lives today suffer if Jesus is not our teacher, because Jesus is teacher, just like He is Savior, and He is Lord, and He is love, and all those things. He is teacher. Jesus came to teach, and he continues to teach. Now, I want to just offer you just a few implications of what it means that Jesus is the great teacher sent from God to us. And the first thing I want you to to grasp is that because Jesus is the great teacher sent from God, what he taught, we can understand. Now, let that sink in for a minute. What he taught, we can understand. Now, I'm not saying it's not going to have its challenges, But we are fully capable of understanding what it is that God has taught us because of who teaches us and because of the presence of God in our lives to help us understand what he's taught in the person of the Holy Spirit. Now, when you look at Jesus as a teacher, as the master teacher, he's an innovator. He is exercising tremendous creativity in teaching the masses. Probably the much more the standard norm for the, the, the learning experiences of those days was that, you know, the, disi- the uh, disciples of a rabbi would follow him around. There'd be times and he, they'd just kind of sit and he would just lecture them. But Jesus, what, what do you see Jesus doing? Takes a child as an object lesson, puts him in their midst. So if you don't have, if you don't become like one of these children, you're never going to inherit the kingdom. Picks up a small seed. Says, if you, don't, if you, don't, if you have faith like a mustard seed, you can say to that mountain over there, 
go throw itself into the sea. Object lessons. He's teaching them. He's looking out and sees a guy out in the hillside and he's sowing seed. And he tells them a story. But how some seed falls on the hard pathways and some goes into the shallow soil and some goes into the unprepared soil. It's still full of weeds and others falls into good soil and how it grows. He's using object lessons. He's telling stories. Maybe the most common one that we remember is the story of the prodigal son, right? Put it in modern version. You know, here's a, here's a kid who's, both of his parents are divorce lawyers in L.A. So they're, they just got lots of money, you know? And they were raised on Dr. Spock, which is let your kid explore themselves. So he comes in and says, you know what? I need my trust fund. I want my trust fund so I can go out and explore myself. So they give him all of his money. So he, you know what? Here's your signature authority. Go to it. Heads down to the local airport, hops on the family's private jet, off to Las Vegas he goes. Penthouse suite. Best stuff on the menu. All of his friends are with him around the craps table, and he's, he's, play, he's paying for all their bets while he's doing his own. Before you know it, it's all gone. And he's working at McDonald's down the street. And after work, because he doesn't have much money, he's picking through the trash cans to find the Happy Meals that the kids didn't finish. Grabbing the warm sodas that are still floating around inside of the cups so he doesn't starve. After a while, it just kind of dawns on him, right? So you know what? Even the people who cut my parents' grass have it better than I do. And he hitchhikes back from Las Vegas to L.A. And he gets to his parents' gate at the end of their driveway, and he presses the intercom button. He said, listen, this is Bill. I'm not worthy to be your son anymore, but, but boy, I'd love just to work for you. And as the gates open, his father's flying down the mile, half-mile-long half driveway to embrace him and take him out to Neiman Marcus and buy him a whole new wardrobe. You know, and the list, Jesus was a master storyteller. You know, and, and it's all indicative of the fact that Jesus wants us and that we can understand what it is that Jesus is teaching us. You can understand it. Now, let me put it this way. I think Jesus taught truth. Jesus made truth simple, but he never made it simplistic. So you can get the genesis of it, but it's your journey with God and your openness to the teaching of the Holy Spirit that helps you to understand the fullness of it. I think there's a great challenge in the way that Jesus taught for the church today. You know, we're, we're certainly not on, on the far end, but, but I think there's a tremendous challenge for the church to be like Jesus, to be creative in the way we teach, to be innovative. Jesus, probably the critics of Jesus' day would have said, Jesus is just an entertainer. He's just an entertainer. He can get a big crowd together, but he's just an entertainer. I tell you what, if being an entertainer is getting people's attention and holding their attention, then sign me up. I want to be an entertainer. I want it to be an entertainment based upon truth that communicates truth, but sign me up. We try to do things that help with that journey, for help to, to remember, for the teaching to go deeper. I, I, in the first service, I pulled out my wallet, and remember last year we, we talked about what it meant to enter boldly through the veil. And I still got my little veil that I carry in my wallet. And every time I reach in there for money, which is way too often, I get this reminder, you know, of what it means. It, we try to do things for, so that it sticks. Now, we're not great at it. We need to keep learning. You can help us with that. But we need to understand that God seeks to get his message through because Jesus is the master teacher sent from God. You and I, <laughs> we can understand. We can understand what he's taught us. Second point, because Jesus is the master teacher sent from God, what he teaches, we need to know. Now, let that sink in for a minute. I don't know if you can say it any more clearly than that, but because he is the master teacher sent from God, what he has to teach, you and I really, really, really need to know. This isn't just a suggestion. This isn't just a good idea. We need to know this. Part of it is because of who he is. God is speaking through his son. Part of it is because of who we are. We have needs, and Jesus always speaks to our needs. It's interesting how many times you can look through the scriptures and see where Jesus started with obvious need, 
And then in his teaching, led them to where they needed to go. It's interesting. You look at John chapter 4, when Jesus announces the beginning of his, I mean Luke chapter 4, when he announces the beginning of his teaching ministry. And he was in the, the synagogue at Nazareth, and he took a scroll, and he worked his way through to the section of the prophet Isaiah where he says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set free the oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he goes on to say, today in your hearing, that has been fulfilled. Jesus gave sight to the blind. He set free those who were captive. He, he was meeting needs. He, he, he proclaimed freedom to those who were in captivity. To the poor who just had nothing but bad news, He proclaimed good news to them. He spoke to their need. What Jesus teaches, we need to know. Because of who He is as the teacher and because of who we are as the learner. You know, the early church saw this. I mean, as soon as they came to faith in Christ, they said, boy, we need to know all that we can possibly know. So they gathered every single day to learn. We try to mimic that, if you will, by trying to get every single one of you into a life group every single week where you can sit down with a group of 8 to 10 to 12 people and begin to understand what it is that God's teaching. But that's why we, we have you know, everyone participating in a life group because we need to know what it is that the master teacher has taught us. Just another implication. Because, the master, because Jesus is the master teacher sent from God, what Jesus teaches is true always. What Jesus teaches is always true. It's not restricted to a prior time and place. It's not going to somehow, somewhere in the future, nowhere. It's always true. The testimony even of his enemies are, we know that you've come from God and that you're going to teach truthfully. What Jesus teaches us is true. We can depend upon it. What's interesting is that at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, they said, you know, they were just amazed. They were astonished at his teaching. They said, because he's teaching as one who has authority. You know what I think that means? It means that we can either accept it or we can reject it. But there isn't any debating it. Jesus is the master teacher. And because what he teaches is true, we can either accept it or we can reject it. But it's not really debatable in the middle. <laughs> I try to think of things, you know, where, where so, you know, we, we might have different opinions about the same issue, and all of them might be right. Well, that, that doesn't happen with Jesus. Because he teaches with authority, his opinion's right, the rest of our opinions are wrong if they're not in agreement with him. But we do have circumstances. I, I, you know, I, I thought about it this way, you know, that most of us, we went out to the car right now, and we pulled out our manuals, and the spec from our manufacturer would say you need to change the oil every 7,500 miles. But if you go to your mechanic... They're going to tell you to change it every 3,000 miles. Right, Scott? Probably 2,000 miles, right? It would be better for you. Come on. All the time you can come in. You know, it's better for your engine. You know, and part of the mechanics will say, well, you know, the car, the car manufacturer, they want your engine to conk out at 125,000 miles, so you have to buy a new one. So they're telling you 7,500 miles. But if you want it to last for 300,000 miles, you're going to do, you know, and you could have this nice back and forth. I've had mechanics tell me, say, well, it's probably better for the environment if we do it every 4,000 miles. Everybody's got a different opinion. And they may all be right in some perspective. That's not true with the teaching of Jesus. It's always right. And there isn't any debating it. You see, as they understood, Jesus defers to no man. And because he is God, he cannot lie. And so everything that he's taught us is true. One last point. <laughs> because Jesus is the master teacher sent from God, the teachings of Christ are the key to living well. The key, the, the teachings of Christ 
are the keys, the means of living well, of living abundantly, of living with wisdom. How did Jesus conclude the Sermon on the Mount? He's been laying out tremendous truths about how who they're supposed to be and how they're supposed to relate to other people and how they're supposed to practice their faith. And, 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 and right on down the line, and he gets to the end and he says, you know what? Life is going to be full of things that are going to try to distract you. It's going to rain. It's going to pour. You're going to have hurricane-force winds. You're going to have floods. There's going to be all kinds of things that are going to try to keep you from paying attention. They're going to try to carry your life away with the flow of the world. He said, those of you who are wise are the ones who are listening to me, and you're going to go do it. I, 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 I recognized something this week I, I, had, I had never understood before. came across a t- statistic from the Walk Through the Bible Ministries. And in their analysis of the teaching of Jesus, they say 69% of what he taught was application. What that means is 69%, seven times out of ten, what Jesus is saying is, this is what you need to do. This is what you need to do. This is what you need to do. Here's the truth. This is what you need to do. Here's the truth. This is what you need to do. The teachings of Jesus are the keys to how you and I are supposed to live life. And if we want to live life well, it's because we need to zero in on the master teacher sent from God. He is our Savior. He is our Lord. He's also our teacher. So my thought for us today as we conclude is, who are we? Are we the hearer and the doer who's wise? Or are we the hearer who doesn't do and who lives foolishly? Is Jesus the teacher? Is Jesus your teacher? Let's pray together. God, thanks for your word today. God, you know, as we look through this, part of what, we, what comes across to us is that you are just absolutely passionate about us knowing everything that you would have us to know. And God, you, you want us to be equipped, prepared, ready, fully equipped and, and strong to live for you, to know the peace, the joy, the hope, all that stuff that comes from that. And God, you've gone to incredible lengths to make sure that we know. Father, I'll confess, and perhaps my confession is a confession that can represent all of us here today, that I'm a student, but I need to be much more so of one. God, be our teacher, because Jesus is teacher. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. I invite our worship team to come and lead us in our final song. And as we do so, I invite our ushers to come forward. Let's stand and sing to the Lord this morning.